Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, I have another Lindsay here with me. There's something about that name, Lindsay. We just... (laughs) We connect. We hit. (laughs) Well, do you know what's funny is how I met Lindsay is I was at the gym and you came up to me and we're like, oh, I follow you on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we started chatting and Lindsay just started telling me all about these, this amazing course that she was taking for like intra post pregnancy. And it was so intriguing to me. Lindsay, I'm not going to lie. I, a lot of times when people tell me about the courses that they take, and then I look into the courses, I'm like, Ooh, uh." (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I'm like, Oh, that was really bad. Yeah. That's how I felt when you were like, which personal training course did you take? And I was like, Oh, this one. And you were like, and I was like, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Right. Yes. So it was really intriguing looking further into the course and just being like, Oh my gosh, I've got to have, if Lindsay's done this course. And then I started taking the course and I was just like, man, there's so much to this, but I was really, but for, but more than that, I was really impressed with Lindsay and I've talked to her numerous times. We, we saw each other at the gym this morning. Yep. Yep. (laughs) We had a little chat that I wish like we might as well have sat down and started recording in in mid (laughs) mid workout session a podcast there because we both just started chatting about stuff that we love. And I love that with Lindsay, it's so, you're so passionate about this subject. And so I was really excited to have you on the podcast, but, um, tell us a little something, um, a little bit about yourself, Lindsay, um, your background, what kind of pushed you into fitness and studying pregnancy and fitness. So yeah, yeah. go for it. Um, and honestly, I mean, we should have started recording this morning because it's easy to be passionate with someone else who's passionate and we could just talk circles around this all day long and, you know, break for lunch and then come back because <laughs> we just <laughs> are that way. It's just so great. It's always fun talking to you. I think last time we ended up on the treadmill for like, we're just walking for an hour or something. I don't, I don't even remember, but I just remember, I'm like, I could talk to Lindsay forever. So we're going to try to stay on point here, but Lindsay, one of those that I just love you. I feel the same. Laughs were exchanged on the treadmill. Tears were shed. We go full circle. It's really fun. (laughs) It's It's so good. Um, But yeah, my, my story is pretty simple in the regards that my mess became my message. I loved fitness. And having babies um, was something that I didn't want that to prevent me from being able to be strong or athletic. I've always had that desire to be a little bit physically astonishing, I guess, if if you would. Mm -hmm. And so mostly just not for other people's sake, but for my own. I really wanted to prove to myself that I could push past certain limits, that I could do hard things, right? And... So after my second baby was born, I decided that I would sign up for my first half marathon. And I remember getting on the treadmill to do that first mile and thinking like, 13? Are are you serious? Like, I can't even do one, (laughs) one mile. Anyways, but as I challenged myself and kept going, I ran and ran. And that kind of became my thing for a while. I did a bunch of half marathons. I did a full and then had another baby because that's what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. After my third, I started lifting weights and remember that feeling of like, wow, this is a different kind of strong than just cardio fit. This is 
this is athleticism. This is what I want for sure. And so I was so pulled into weightlifting and that feeling of just being athletic. And I loved it. But after my fourth baby, and and I lifted weights through my entire pregnancy with my fourth thinking, you know, if I did it before pregnancy, then I can keep doing it during pregnancy, because that's kind of the recommendation that we're given. Yeah, I I kept lifting weights and going to my high impact classes and doing all of the same things. And when he was born, um, I remember being in the hospital in labor and thinking, I've never felt this before. My back is going to snap in half. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Like what is happening? It just didn't feel quite right. And from that moment on, um, in my recovery after my fourth, nothing felt quite right. And I, you know, kept doing what I thought was going to help strengthen my body and get my core back. That's kind of what we say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to my doctor and I was so upset because I told her, like, when I lay on my back and I have my leg butterfly open, I can't pull it back to center on my own without grabbing my leg and physically pulling it back to center. There's got to be something wrong here. I'll never forget. She just said, you know, it just takes time, but it'll come back. And it was in that moment that I realized that my doctor, who whom I love so much and was a fantastic OB, uh, did not know how to properly guide me through postpartum because that wasn't her specialty, right? So I, I just started looking everywhere else that I could for help because as time passed, it wasn't getting better. I was throwing out my back. I went to the gym one day and I was doing some box jumps at the end of a leg day, which there was there was my first mistake, right? Like, <laughs> there's your first mistake, you dork. Um, but I was doing some box jumps and I was with my sister-in-law and I was on my last set and I did a jump and I landed on the box. And I remember instantly not feeling like I was in pain, but in my brain, I was like, something happened something's wrong. So I left the gym right away. I got in the car, I drove home. And when I got to my house, I couldn't get out of my car. I could not stand. My body was so hurt, so hurt. That happened a number of times. So having to get through so many issues of instability and throwing out my back and wondering, so frustrated, wondering like, why, why is my body not working like so-and-so's or why can all these other women have babies and they seem to be fine. But I've come to realize we just, most of us aren't fine. We're just not talking about it. Yeah. And in the gym earlier today, when we were chatting, I liked the word that you chose to kind of describe people who can just kind of get, they get away with anything really. You know, they have a bunch of kids and they're still able to continue on. And uh, I think you refer to them as unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really I see that a lot in hypertrophy too, with bodybuilders that Hmm. a lot of times they look the way that they do in spite of what they do, not because of what they do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So we want to compare ourselves to other people who don't have the same body as we do, Yeah, but we want to assume that everything works the same. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest paradoxes that I've realized throughout my process is that we feel like we should be able to do all that we did before we were pregnant. We, we think, oh, I should be able to do that. And then we enter postpartum and all of a sudden we think, 
well, my body can't do what other people's can do. And because now I'm different. And this is both of which are a huge lie, (laughs) a huge Mm -hmm. lie. Because the first is like, you're pregnant now. You should be making a lot of special considerations while you exercise. Keep active during pregnancy for sure. But what are you working on and why? And that's going to look different. So you can't just do everything the same. And the second lie is, you know, when you get to that place of, I'm doing all the right things, quote unquote, but it's not working for me. My body's different. I can't do what other people can do. Well, that's not the truth either. The truth is that you have had a baby and that requires some special considerations. It's it's a huge toll on the body. And so you can recover. It's just finding the right path, the right route, the right people to get you to where you want to be. And sometimes as frustrating as it is, that takes a lot more work than we feel like it should. Um, and that was my case. I, I went and saw chiropractors weekly, you know, just to keep me upright. There was one day I was walking in my garage, my cute neighbor found me and rescued me. I was holding my like six or seven month old at the time. And that's how long this lasted. It was months and months and months of just me feeling like I'm trying, I'm doing the right things. I'm looking for the answers. Why does this keep happening? And it's so despairing. It's so despairing for people who love fitness and use movement as an outlet and something that is so important to our mental and physical health. Um, I just was so lost in my body and so heartbroken about it. So heartbroken about it. Um, But I saw chiropractors. I saw massage therapists. I saw personal trainers, a couple of different ones. And it wasn't until I finally found a decent fit for me who started to introduce, reintroduce, I guess, the concepts of stability and what I was lacking and what I was missing, that that's what led me to take this this course through Sarah Duval. I just, I loved what I heard from the trainer. And after my first session with him, I was so impacted. I got in the car and I called my husband and was like, this is it. This is what I want to do like forever. This is my passion. I've found it and I'm going to go all in. So I certified as a personal trainer, and then I started taking all of these specialty courses, Sarah's postpartum course and her pelvis biomechanics course. Just, I love anatomy. I took that and studied it in BYU, and um, the human body has always fascinated me. So this was just a really cool way to marry a love of fitness with a love of the human body, and it took me a long time to find it, but some of us are late bloomers. (laughs) Well, I I loved how you said you took your mess and it became your message. And I feel like that's going to, I'm really, really hoping that this resonates. I know there's going to be somebody out there listening who is like, yep, yep, yep. Just hearing the, the, it's hard. It, It is so hard when you want to move and you can't do something as simple as these movements that you see everybody else doing. So I'm, I'm so excited to introduce you, Linz, to my listeners, and I'm so excited for you to help them. And really guys, if you don't follow Lindsay, I'll, I'll tag her in the show notes, but she would be an excellent one. Um, I do want to start out talking about breathing. I think whenever women uh, post-pregnancy, they usually jump to certain things. They usually say, well, what, what ab work should I be doing to heal? Like I want to heal. I know there's some kind of healing that needs to happen. So what kind of ab work? And I, 
I think that before we even get to the app work, we're kind of skipping some of the other essentials. I think you you nailed it on the head. And and that's something that I had to learn as well because, you know, the trainer that I went and saw helped me get out of pain quickly, which is what I needed at the time with rebuilding some of my deep core. Uh, but as I started to really study and learn more about the body, I, I recognized that there was there was a deeper element to this, such a deeper element than I had been given it, from just the standard of practice. And that was breathing, right? Um, because a lot of women postpartum I mean, think about what the body has to do when you have a baby. I mean, mm-hmm. it's insane. Your abdominals are going to be stretched to capacity. And in order to keep you standing upright and feeling somewhat stable with your big stabilizers being stretched out like that, your back muscles are probably going to tighten. And a lot of these women live in a constant state of extension, right? Mm-hmm. So for oh, you, yeah. that makes sense where it's like, gosh, everything is so clamped down in the back to accommodate what's happening in the front. It's almost like the seesaw effect, right? Loose in the front, tight in the back. And so I started realizing that as I was doing my training, that a lot of that tension that we create through postpartum that we have to create just to you know, accommodate what's happening, our rib cage has to expand and has to make room for the baby. Um, our pelvic floor is going to be bearing a lot of extra weight What's happening is not just that your core is going, it's that your deeper systems are being influenced. And by deeper systems, I mean your breathing system, right? So your breathing system, in order to breathe well, just to give you like a quick, quick rundown and make this super as simple as possible, in order to breathe well, your rib cage has to move. It has to open and close. And think about where you have ribs, right? You have ribs all the way from your top, like right by your collarbone, all the way down to the base of your rib cage and in the front and in the sides and in the back, right? We have these ribs. They have muscles that line the inside of each of those ribs, your intercostal muscles, and they need mobility. And why do they need mobility? They need mobility so that the diaphragm, which lives inside of the rib cage, your primary breathing muscle can lengthen and contract. And I love how you talk all the time about the length tension relationship with a muscle because in order for a muscle to be as strong as we want it to be, it has to be able to lengthen appropriately Mm -hmm. and contract appropriately. Well, the same goes for your diaphragm. The same goes for your intercostal muscles. And when they're not moving appropriately, then we start to breathe from somewhere else. We start to use other smaller muscles that are not meant to do the work of your diaphragm, your big breathing muscle to open the rib cage. So if the rib cage isn't opening on its own, for example, your neck muscles, your everyone complains, my upper traps are always so tight. Why are my shoulders so tight? Yes. Well, if they're not getting movement throughout their full rib cage, likely those trap muscles, your neck muscles are trying to lift and open the rib cage for you because the ribs are not doing their job. And that happens a lot during pregnancy. We call this a reverse breathing pattern where rather than breathing like we should, we get caught into a shallow breath all the time. And you hear postpartum women, especially while they're pregnant and, and after baby, be like, I, I can't breathe. I, I feel like I can never get a deep breath. Yes. And they're not, they're not wrong. And for, for a lot of reasons, but what I've seen with my clients is that as the rib cage expands, that is what an inhale should feel like, right? The ribs should open and expand when we inhale. 
And if we constantly live in that place where we're stuck in an inhale because baby has widened our rib cage and then we have the baby and we don't teach our ribs how to come back in and down, we're constantly stuck in this state of inhalation rather than being able to have a deeper sense of of mobility through our system. And the crazy thing is you would think, well, breathing, right? Like, yeah, it matters, but like how much? It matters for everything. Our body is a kinetic chain. So what happens at the very deepest of our systems is going to happen as a repercussion throughout the rest of the body. So if our system, our breathing system isn't working well, the diaphragm, the rib cage isn't communicating with the pelvic floor down low, well, now you might have some hip issues, right? So it's not just breathing. It really, Mm -hmm. really matters. Um, Something I love that I learned about the rib cage itself is that it is essentially the core of your upper body. And that's something that I have taken to heart so, so well, because it is so true. Your rib cage is the docking point for your abdominal muscles. It's the docking point for your scapula, for your shoulders, right? If something is off at your rib cage, then you see a lot of people who will have a shoulder issue and they think it's the shoulder, but likely it's that the docking point is off, that the rib cage, the ribs aren't moving. They're not getting a full 360 degree inhale and they're kind of sticky or stuck in some way or another. This all, this all clicks. Oh yeah. (laughs) Just keep going. Lens, you're, I'm, I'm just loving this. No, the thought that comes to my mind is obviously with breathing, people just assume, well, I'm alive. So I must be breathing, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But there there really is so much more to that. And I love the fact that you brought up the traps because that's one thing where people are always like, if their breathing is being taken over by the neck muscles, by those traps, they are going to feel very tight. They're not, they're not ever really like lengthening and loosening, right? They're always tight in right. that shallow breathing. And then people are wondering, how come I always feel the traps when I do something like lateral raises? And it's like, because they're in this like constant state of engagement and shortened, a lot of times they're, they're in this. So sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, my, my lateral raises, they look great. What's going on. And I'll just kind of watch them take a few deep breaths. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, we can see a lot going on here. But while saying this, it's like, sometimes I'm nervous to share what I do with one-on-one clients. Because there is another population who this is interesting, but it doesn't necessarily apply to you in that this isn't necessarily holding you back. Some women naturally post-pregnancy, their body just seems to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's just, and it just functions fine. And so they then immediately think, well, everybody should do this. Everybody's like, if, if it's not for you, you're doing something wrong. And it's not necessarily that they're doing something wrong. It's just that their body's different than yours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's always interesting to me. And this is where, you know, all of the movement and biomechanics comes into play and probably you as well. But yes, the body is fine. The body is tolerant, right? So those Mm -hmm. unicorn women that I've talked about who seem to be able to just bounce back hate that phrase, (laughs) but seem to be able to just do what they did before, they are fine and the body is tolerant, but the body will only be tolerant for so long. 
Um, and I like to say that because I found that, you know, there's a big movement right now of lift heavy, lift heavy, lift heavy. And I think that it needs a tagline at the end, lift heavy with good form, right? Because Mm -hmm. the body is adaptable. And, and like I said, it is so understanding and forgiving that if we say, okay, I want to do a deadlift and I'm going to get this weight up and I'm going to go for a PR. Your body can make that happen for you, but how? But how does it get the weight up? That is what we want to be thinking about because if we're asking our body to move weight but to not move it functionally well, over a period of time, it might be totally fine. But eventually, certain muscles that are doing the job of other big muscles Mm -hmm. are going to be overworked, functionally tight, stressed, and that's what leads to injury. That's what leads to injury and that's what leads to pain. So I think it's important for all of us to remember that fitness is something we practice. It's not something we're just good at. It's something we practice every single day because even the unicorn women have their own things, right? We all have something that maybe our body is less capable of than somebody else's or we're not good at finding our glutes or I'm not good at finding those delts and my traps take over, right? We all have something, but it's our intention behind movement that makes all the difference in the long run. Mm. I think that that's beautifully said because just because you feel okay doesn't mean you can't feel better. Exactly. So a lot of people, right? A lot of people are living lives. We see this in so many aspects of life, right? Beyond fitness. We see this in so many aspects of life where it's like, well, I have a job. It does like it brings in the money. I'm miserable, but it brings in the money. Like get a, get a job that you're not miserable in or, well, I'm doing the movement. I'm in a diet. Oh, I like this one. (laughs) I'm in a diet. I'm, I'm miserable because I can't eat sugar. I can't eat bread and I'm absolutely miserable, but it's doing its job. I'm like, okay, but you know that there's, there's good, better, best. You know, you can find a way to hit your goal where you're less miserable. And I think this, the same thing comes in play with post-pregnancy that you may think you feel okay, but sometimes we don't know how crappy we feel until we feel better. Right. Yeah. Until we start breathing better. And so we start connecting with our pelvic floor better until we start engaging more of those inner abdominals, just like the inner um, core muscles and really creating stability from within. Yes. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that feels so much better. Oh yeah. So much better. And I'm, I'm a testament to that for sure. Because when I started taking my body through this whole new breathing regimen and getting my ribs to move and to change and to shift, I mean, the fact that we can do that is kind of remarkable, right? The Mm -hmm. fact that we can breathe and pull pressure into our body and we can send that breath where we want to. I mean, if you were to just put a hand on one side of your chest and say, okay, I'm going to breathe into that hand, we can send with intention the breath to that hand. Mm -hmm. Like we could like in your back, okay, put your hand on your back. Can you breathe back there? Right. And we can use that intention to change some of our fundamental posture, which is so cool. So for me, when I started doing this, my ribs were a complete nightmare. (laughs) Like They were just a disaster. I was so strung so tightly on one side 
so flared open on the other and my body just felt off, just so off. And when I started getting more mobility into the back of my rib cage, because I talked earlier about how that's especially hard for postpartum women mm-hmm. and people in general, right? But when I started to do that, it was incredible how much tension I felt literally melt from my traps, from my back. And just, it was 50% better, this freedom of like, wow. I don't have to work so hard to breathe. I tell my clients all the time, breathing should feel easy. And for most of us, when we try to take a nice deep inhale, it doesn't feel easy, right? You see a lot of people's shoulders shrug up and traps tense and and everything up high, trying to pull in that breath for the ribs where they should be mobile. So it really does make all the difference. And I love what you said about feeling like uh, postpartum women we can just keep doing what we're, what we're doing. Right. Because it's just, it's just not the case. So what I wanted to add to what you said is that oftentimes I will ask my clients before they sign on with me, what do you qualify as a good workout? What does that mean to you? That's a good question. That is such a good question. I love to hear their response because it's always, it's always the same. It's always, I got really, really sweaty or I lifted super, super heavy and I pushed my, my limits to the max, or like I did all of the tuck jumps and burpees in my class, right? It's always this high intensity goal of I'm just getting crap done. And I think it's really, really hard for most of us, especially postpartum women who categorize a workout like that when they are skipping over the entire idea of I have to recover. What should recovery feel like? Should it feel sweaty and high intensity and tough and exhausting all the time? Or should it feel healing in that process, Mm -hmm. right? It should feel challenging, but should it also feel really healing? So when we skip over that recovery phase and move right into this like grind, 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 we forget what just happened to our body over the course of the last nine months. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Oh, that is so good. So I'm really excited to continue talking more about posture because there's, there is a whole anti-optimization movement going about. And a few weeks ago, I interviewed uh, Sarah Duval on this and I asked her the que- this question as well. But I, I do want to bring it up again because there's a lot of a lot of people saying, well, it, it, we're now finding that you don't need to have specific form to prevent injury. I, I do understand what is being expressed. I understand that people are saying we can have more movement in our spine than we've thought. It doesn't have to be this rigid board, obviously, that we can actually even allow our spine like to move I, a lot more than, than just like this neutral spine relative position. I want to interject this in really fast. Now with hypertrophy, that doesn't necessarily work very well because typically with hypertrophy, uh, we do still want to keep certain form because it does help with output. So when form starts to break down is, I mean, I understand that it's like a, typically it's a, people will say with strength, it doesn't matter. With hypertrophy, we do want time under tension. We do want a certain output and volume. And uh, we do want to increase intensity through, uh, it does need to be increased through weight. 
So we are going to be able to do that better with certain kind of form. And also form isn't just where the spine is, form is our intention. And so I, I want to ask you though about posture because there are so many people saying posture doesn't matter. It's only if you can get in and out of certain postures, that's all that matters. So I want to hear your thoughts on on posture. Yeah. Yeah. I think that posture does matter. I fall into that category for sure. Not just with hypertrophy, but also with strength. Right. And, and for the reason that I mentioned earlier, it's sure. Yeah. You can move, you can move a crap ton of weight. You can do it however, and you can move it. But what is your intention? What's your goal? Are you trying to grow your glutes? Are you trying to grow your hamstrings? Are you trying to optimize the movement so that you're going to avoid injury? Right. Posture matters if you care about those things. And if you don't, that's that's okay. But in my opinion, I think it really matters. So as far as postpartum goes, I, I love talking about this um, because it's all connected, right? We talked about the breathing system earlier and posture plays a huge role in our breathing system. So they're, they're all kind of that domino effect of influencing one another. But I hear women all the time who will say, gosh, I just have the worst posture. Like, how do I fix it? It's so frustrating. And that's a hard question because good posture is not just a switch that you can flip on or off, right? Posture is the way that your body holds itself throughout the day. Posture is strength. Where are you strong? Where are you not strong, right? So for me, when I look at someone's posture, it's a window into their compensation patterns. Maybe it tells us where we need to work on strengthening so that our body can hold itself in a comfortable, neutral resting zone. But typically when people struggle with posture, say my posture hurts, or I just am so frustrated by it. It's because they're not holding themselves in that neutral, right? Because their body's not strong enough to do that. And so again, posture is not just something you can stand up straight, pull your shoulders down and back, like fix. Mm -hmm. It's something that you have to work to strengthen, especially postpartum, especially postpartum. And that can be frustrating. But again, postpartum requires a lot of special considerations. So I mentioned earlier that your abdominals are going to be really stretched. Well, your abdominal muscles are huge stability pieces for your good posture, right? And when those are taken away from you, what's going to step in to help you stay upright? What's going to do the work? We talked about how your back can get really, really tight and you're kind of stuck in that extension pattern because your abdominals are so long. So ideally, if you think of it as kind of that seesaw effect, if I could strengthen my abdominals, that would relieve my back and give me more room in the back. So yeah, I think that most of us are fighting too against a day's worth, a month's worth, all of this time that we spend holding a specific posture right? So most of us are sitting at a desk. We are like leaning over phones and computers and constantly holding a certain place where our body gets really comfortable and says, okay, this is where we live, right? So then when we go and try to have nice posture or like really turn it on for a gym session, it's going to be a little bit more difficult because we've spent 95% of our day holding a posture that, you know, naturally we fall into that's kind of weak in certain areas. And then we go to the gym and we're like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, this, and this to keep my posture right. But you kind of have to strengthen those postural muscles so that that comes naturally. So that that is your neutral resting point. So that when you go to the gym, 
you're not so stressed out over form because you've put a lot of work into strengthening what keeps you in a really comfortable posture. Does that make sense? I love that. So part of healing is good programming. Yes. When you go into the gym and you're doing a training program that's based off of sweating, hurting, that's based off, mm-hmm. oh, this one, this one really burns. Well, it's it's probably burning for a few reasons and not the reasons you think. And this is so good, Lens. Like it just instantly, my mind goes to, I talk a lot about hypertrophy because that's my specialty. Right. And you meant you mentioned earlier about finding ways to get a muscle to work through a lengthened mid short position, right? And and then incorporating using that range of motion, not just to yeah. build a muscle, but to heal your body. That's a beautiful thing. And I think a lot of times the people that I've seen talk a lot about posture doesn't matter. Sometimes I feel like they're in some, in, in a lot of contexts, there, there can be context in that it doesn't, but for women who I, and I think you nailed this lens, you, you laid it out so well for women who have spent the past nine months, their body literally being, I mean, as you're talking, I'm just like, yes. Oh, I remember that. And I'm like, we're thinking about doing an in vitro next year. So I'm like, huh, this is not making me look forward to pregnancy. But anyways, (laughs) but just like not even be able to get a deep breath. I remember sitting there and just wanting to cry because I felt like I couldn't get a deep breath. And you're so uncomfortable and my ribs would flare so bad. And using smart training to work a muscle, to learn how can I line up the lats? How can I line up the upper back? How can I line things up for my core in a way that we can work them through this range of motion that can be so healing. So, so healing. And I I have to use my dad as an example here. He, he loves to golf. He is obsessed with golf. Like you have not maybe met someone more obsessed with golf. (laughs) And it's so endearing and also so funny because he built like a golf simulator in his home. And he goes golfing every day. If he's not golfing, I mean, I guess we can relate, right? He's studying golf. So he wants to <laughs> that know. sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, it does. I am I am definitely a product of my father. I get that. And um, that's why maybe it's endearing. So I'm like, you're a little obsessive. That's me. Okay, no, no, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, but he's always, always golfing, looking, how, how can I improve my technique? How can I make my form better? And he came to me one day and was like, gosh, my hips hurt so bad. I was doing an assessment on him, kind of checking out what was going on. And, you know, I just had to bring to light, like, dad, you spend hours a day golfing, swinging. Do you ever switch sides that you swing on? No. Like you're constantly moving in this one range of motion all day long. So if there's not any kind of counteractivity that's going to help your body stay healthy in multiple ranges of motion, multiple postures, and you're constantly just living in that one swing, that one place, well, of course your hips hurt. Of course they do. You're not using the right muscles to make the movement happen because of the way that your body's holding itself all day long. So I used him as an example because with postpartum, it's like, your, yeah, like you said, your body's been holding itself a certain way for a really, really long time. And that requires a lot of special considerations. Not only has your rib cage expanded and your abs are super stretched, but your pelvis 
your pelvis inlet, which is the top of your pelvis, kind of spreads into a little bit of external rotation to create a wide base of support for that baby, right? Hmm. And when it gets there and it's held there for a really long time, I mean, you'll see a lot of postpartum women who go to the gym and want to do squats. And this was me 100%. We go to do a squat and we're always stuck in external rotation at the hips. So we can't move through any internal rotation to get down into a full squat. We feel like we're going to fall over backwards. When they feel that way, what's the solution? So something, and and I I love quoting Sarah because she's just so dang smart. But something that I love that she says is to think of a stuck drawer. So if you're trying to pull a drawer out of your dresser and it's kind of stuck, let's say that that's your external rotation capacity. Maybe you live in that external rotation all the time because that's where you've held your body for nine months. Mm -hmm. But just because you live there doesn't mean you're good at it right? You can't get the drawer fully open. You can't get that full external rotation, that full range of motion because you can't get any internal rotation. So sometimes to get that drawer unstuck, you have to shove it all the way back in and you'll know exactly what I mean Mm -hmm. by that. Shove it all the way back the other way so that then it can glide back out. So if we can't move into internal rotation, our external rotation yeah, it's happening, but it doesn't mean we're good at it just because we constantly live in that place. It doesn't mean that we have that full bandwidth of, of range. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That does. That does. Awesome. That creates some issues at the hips and the hips drive a lot of issues at the knee. So a lot of women after babies will be like, my knees never hurt before I had kids. And now for some reason, it's like, well, what's happening at your hips that's talking to your knee and sending misinformation down the kinetic chain so that you have to adapt and your body has to find another another way around the issue, right? So holding ourselves in that certain posture, it's not our fault. Having a baby is a huge sacrifice on the female body. It's huge, especially considering the fact that it takes so dang long to find help to get back to a really athletic place. It's not that we can't. And that was something that in the beginning, when I was struggling so hard, I could not let go. It's like there are people in the world who are athletes, women who have babies and somehow can go back to their sport after they've had a baby. They have the information, celebrities, whoever it is, like (laughs) some people have the resources and some people don't. And I wasn't willing to accept that I couldn't be one of the people that could find the resources that I needed to bring my body back to a place of athleticism. It is possible. It's just hard to find. And what we find a lot on social media right now is, you know, like you were saying that let's fix your core, let's fix your abs, but it does go deeper to breathing and to your posture, your alignment, where, where has your body been sitting for the last nine months and how can we help it back to a more neutral resting point where now your ribs can stack right over your pelvis, you get full range of motion, the deeper system is working So that then the muscles that all lay around the outside aren't having to cheat and compensate and take over and do more work than, than they should. I love it. That's so good. So, so what is, what are some of your biggest tips of either do's or do nots? Well, let's start with, uh, during pregnancy. Gosh, if I could go back and do pregnancy different, it would look 100% not what I did. <laughs> okay. Well, what, cause what were you doing? You were doing a lot of high intensity stuff. So it wasn't just lifting. No, no. I, at the time I 
I really wanted to become a high fitness instructor and I loved the high impact, just the endorphins that it gave me, you know, that like tuck jump, burpee, those power moves, my friends and I like to call them the power moves that are just so liberating. And so I did that through pregnancy because, you know, my doctor said, if you were doing it before pregnancy, you're okay to keep doing it during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true to a certain extent, but once the baby starts to take up more space and once now your body is making larger adjustments, then you have to really reconsider what you're doing and why. But I was doing tuck jumps and burpees the night before my baby was born. I was Mm -hmm. dilated to an eight and uh, was like, yeah, come on out. Ready for you. Let's do some burpees. Let's do which is a horrible, horrible idea. Horrible idea. Mostly because... But that's usually celebrated. You know, you, you post stuff like that on on Instagram. That's going to be really celebrated. It, it is. And it's this unspoken badge of honor that's like, look, look what I can still do despite being mm-hmm. pregnant. I'm, I'm remarkable and amazing. But the repercussions of that are not worth the badge. <laughs> They're just not. Because in the long run... Pregnancy is a phase, but it's a really important phase in a woman's life who chooses to have a baby. And if it's overlooked and we just try and pretend like we're not pregnant while we keep doing our fitness and look at all the things I can still keep doing, then you're going to have a lot of issues on the back end and it's going to feel really, really frustrating. But for me, that was a lack of patience. Like I, I didn't want to lose steam with, with my lifting. I didn't want to lose any progress that could be made while I was pregnant. You've just nailed it. So there are these two extremes. And I always say this, I'm like, wisdom is never found in extremes, never found in extremes. You have one extreme of, I don't know if you know this, but I think it was about 20 years back in medical journals under pregnancy, it was considered a handicap. So, oh yeah, yes, I mean, isn't that, that makes sense. <laughs> so it's looked at on one extreme of now I can't do anything. I mean, when I got pregnant with Link, the first doctor that I went to, he told me like, you've got to stop lifting. You've got to start running. And I'm like, but I don't run. And you go, well, you can't lift, yeah. stop lifting, start running. And I'm like, that just doesn't sound this right. This doesn't make me. sense. <laughs> I don't know why, like... But maybe it's because I don't like a ton of cardio, but everything inside of me, common sense wise, is saying this is stupid. But anyway, so you have one extreme, right? And then you have the other extreme of I'm going to show myself, and and I tend to fall under this extreme. I'm going to mm-hmm. show myself, just like you, Lance, and the world that I that nothing's going to stop me. Totally. And I'm going to. And wisdom is never found in those extremes. It's usually found somewhere in the middle of. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing with wisdom, with wisdom. <laughs> but the wisdom is the wisdom is hard. So usually people are like, okay, I get it. I'm pregnant, no core work now, no direct like ab crunches and all of that. Um, but are there some other things that you're like, no, I I say don't do XYZ. It's it's hard because everybody's a little bit different. It is. And so what being able to and, and that's the real problem, right? Is that if you don't know what you're being intentional about, if you don't know what your body needs in specific or why, then it's hard to go to the gym and be like, Am, am I doing the right things? Am mm-hmm. I yeah making progress? Am I not? But 
for me, it just comes down to how well do you love your body? And I know that might seem like an out there, like not what we're talking about, but when we love our body, we care for it in a way that it needs. If we Mm. give our body what it needs from us, it needs in the moment. Exactly. Then it can give us what we want from it. Right. So being able to give our body what it needs during pregnancy is so important. And what it needs is not progress. It needs sustainability, right? It needs to be able to be functional. So for me, what I always recommend to my clients who are like, I want to have another baby, but I'm nervous because you know what happened last time. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. The things that I would work on are those deeper systems and trying to keep them as close to integrity as possible. So how is my rib cage moving? How am I breathing? Can I feel good mobility throughout my entire chest wall, through my back, through my sides? Okay, great. Um, How does my pelvic floor feel? Does it feel heavy? Does it feel tight? Can I even get air to move down there? Like a lot of my clients have a hard time getting air to filter down past their belly button because we're so afraid of peeing or that that feeling of heaviness in our crotch that makes us nervous. So then we kind of shortchange the breathing system and forget that, oh, the pelvic floor actually should lengthen and contract just like any other muscle, right? To be as strong as we want it to be. So for me, I would focus on deep breathing and I would focus on core, not maybe in the way that people think of it as those crunches or like rectus dominant activities, but can you keep in tune with your deep core? And you should be able to do that through your entire pregnancy. You should be able to engage that deep core muscle and to bring in tension. Um, you'll see people saying, hug the baby, right? Imagine like mm, your stomach is yeah. just really hugging the baby. But keeping in touch there, I think would be the first two things. For me, after that, I'm going to be looking at those other postural muscles, those big stabilizers that I need to stay around so that I don't lose the entire integrity of my skeletal frame because muscle moves bone, right? So I think I love saying that because people are like, yeah, no duh, no duh. (laughs) Good good quote, Lindsay. (laughs) But actually it's very powerful if you sit there and think about it. It is very powerful. It is very powerful if you think about it, because if I have a muscle that's constantly pulling me in one direction, that's going to pull my, my skeletal frame in that direction, right? So when you think of it that way, if the muscle moves bone, I'm going to want to avoid any muscles moving the integrity of my frame to a point where it's going to be really difficult to come back from. So for me, what that would mean are hamstrings and glutes big time. So hamstrings, most of us, when we think about our hamstrings, we feel them right above the back of our knee. We're feeling that lower hamstring. What I'm talking about is the insertion point of your hamstring by your tailbone area, right? If you put your hands under your butt and find your sits bones, your butt bones, then your hamstrings insert onto that butt bone. How often do you feel your hamstrings up high? Hmm, that's, a, that's a lot harder for people to do. And when we lose touch with that piece of the muscle, we forget that that piece of the muscle is what is essentially creating a bunch of drag and anchor on the back of our pelvis, on the back of our hips, and keeping our pelvis from just spilling forward into more of an anterior tilt it helps keep us more grounded and rooted and neutral. So I would focus a lot on those high hamstrings, my glutes, big glute muscles, because mm-hmm. as those 
a hamstrings let go and the pelvis starts to fall forward, we think we're working our glutes. We're actually probably working our deep hip rotators a lot more than the glute max just because of the way our posture has changed. So sure, people can say posture doesn't matter, but in a postpartum woman, posture is everything. Mm. It is everything. Because if you can't get your body to find the muscles that are going to help keep the integrity of your of your skeletal frame and your support system, then you're going to struggle. You might be able to get some nice looking biceps and some nice looking delts, but you'll see moms all the time complain. Like, why is my butt so flat? Why can't I get my glutes? It's because of your posture. It's the way that your frame has been held for a long time. And you have to find those big postural muscles and stay in touch with them. So that's what I would do during pregnancy. I would just add one more to that because I really love that. Lats your iliac on the iliac crest is where the the lats are inserted in. So a lot of times with pregnancy, I'll have them be doing lat pull downs because that adds a lot of stability to your pelvis. And so I would just add that one on there as well. Let me ask you one question about the hamstrings too. Like you do a seated hamstring curl. That's going to be a little bit easier for women who are pregnant. We're working it in the lengthened and more of the lengthened position, maybe not overloaded mm-hmm. there depending on the machine, but we are working it more lengthened. Usually how we work uh, hamstrings in more of the shortened position is a lying leg curl. But we can't really do that. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite hamstring um, exercises then for women who are pregnant? Because that is a question that I get a lot. Yeah, I have my clients do a lot of hamstring bridges, but what I want them to think about is a little bit different than what you would just think of like a bridge. So I have them think about, you know, where a a pregnant woman's pelvis is sitting in that spilled forward anterior tilt position. So in order to help keep them kind of healthy, we want to be able to move them to neutral, but also into a posterior pelvic tilt, right? And that's where your hamstrings kind of come in. They create a lot of drag on the back of the pelvis and help you get into more of that posterior tilt position. So I will have them do a lot of work on the wall because it's really interesting when you get into this position, how many other muscles are like, oh, I want to do that. I'll do it for you. This is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. The hamstrings aren't used to doing it here, right? So you'll see adductors, inner thighs that completely take over for the hamstrings. And then, you know, you've got people who are struggling with pubic symphysis pain or all, all sorts of different tweaks at the pelvis because their stability muscles maybe aren't playing as big a role as they should. Um, that's just one example. But so hamstring bridges are fantastic, but it's how we get into the position, right? It's, it's using intention. And I work on that with my clients a lot rather than them thinking of, okay, hamstring contraction, like in a seated position, I'm doing a lot of flexion at the knee and I'm getting that hamstring to, to turn on. I like to have them think about sliding their butt bones where we found that insertion point, sliding their butt bones to their knee. How does that feel when you contract from that range of motion? And you're going to have to play around with this one because it changes the feeling completely. And it's frustrating because you think your hamstring should all just work in tandem But just like the transverse abdominis, your deep core, right? The hamstrings can work kind of segmentedly. You'll see women all the time who are really good, if we're talking about the deep core as an example, at cinching their belly button to spine, but their lower abdominals are just spilling out 
right? Or they kind of barrel up in their upper abdominals. They're not getting the same tension in the upper TAs as they are in the middle. And it's annoying (laughs) because you Mm -hmm. think this is just my, my corset muscle. It should all work the same. But intention is everything. And it, oftentimes it doesn't. It works in different muscle fibers in different in different ways. And the hamstrings are the same. So a lot of us get really good at engaging our low hamstrings and really not good at using the upper support system of the hamstrings to keep our pelvis rooted in more of a neutral position. And for postpartum women, that is everything. And of course, that works in tandem with the core, right? Like your low... TAs, your low abdominals, but this is a big reason why so many women postpartum are like, why do I have this mom pooch? I can't figure it out. Well, your pelvis is sitting in this really big anterior tilt and you don't have a ton of stability from behind to kind of pull you into this balance, pull you back into neutral. And you also need the low core to kind of bring you up from the front. So hamstrings from the back and and low core from the front are going to really help to root that pelvis in more of a neutral Docking point, as I like to say. I love, I love that you brought that the mommy pooch up because that's a that's a huge one for a lot of women. So, what do they do about it? Because I I have had clients that are so lean, and yet when they send me their like the the side pictures, they're like, "How do I get rid of this?" And we have a good conversation about how they're standing, a lot of times that can solve the problem, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So talk to us a little bit about that lens. Yeah. And, and the great thing is it kind of comes full circle back to breathing, honestly, because lens, if I was going to ask you, like, how do we lengthen the transverse abdominals? Right. Because we understand that we need length and we need contraction in a muscle. How do we lengthen those muscles? I mean, you need like try and like stretch and contort like a million different ways, but we do it with our breath. Exactly. So when we pull pressure into our system, if the rib cage is opening like it should, what that does is it sends an even amount of pressure. Think of a battery draining, right? It sends an even amount of pressure down to the base of your canister. And that pressure when distributed really evenly, it's not going to cause any issues. But if it's distributed unevenly, let's say maybe the top of your canister, that's what I call it, your breathing system, your rib cage, your diaphragm isn't working very well. And we pull pressure into the body. Pressure always follows the path of least resistance. So where are you weakest? That's where the pressure is going to go. Right. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. And when you think about, I always think of Hercules when he <laughs> squeezes the the little character and the eyeballs yes. pop out, you know? What yes, I, mean? I right. do. That, yes. So that is where that little character is weakest and they do that intentionally. They create a lot of pressure from the bottom. So it'll go shooting out like the top through his eyes. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for us, right? Like if we create pressure inside of us, but we have a really weak point, say those low abdominals, that's where pressure is going to go because it's easy. We need to be able to contain it really, really well and distribute pressure really evenly down our trunk so that we don't constantly have that pooching. So I think that that's one reason why a lot of moms are like, I can't get rid of this. Well, check the deeper system. What's going on? Like, are they creating a lot of squeeze from the top that's sending that Mm. metaphorical eyeball pop out the bottom, right? Or if it's 
their breathing system is fine, then I'm looking at their posture and their stability pieces like we were just talking about, their Mm -hmm. hamstrings, their glutes. How effective are you at keeping your pelvis in neutral? Because if we can't keep the pelvis in neutral, think about a deadlift or a squat. You'll see a lot of people who go to do that movement. And I, I, I hate the squat... I'm going to hone in on that because I think it's so interesting. You'll see people all the time, women especially, who think, okay, if I stick my butt out more, then I'm getting more glutes. When the truth is... Because they think it's stretching it out. Like this is somehow lengthening it, it's stretching it. I don't know. But I don't know what they think actually, but... <laughs> but I think that's it. I think it's I'm, I'm opening my glutes if I, mm-hmm. if I stick my butt out more. But actually what's happening is when we stick our butt out more, what happens at the spine, right? We arch our back a little bit more. And a lot of times you'll see people who will really drive knees way further over toes than maybe they should. And the reason is not because the the reason is because they're not opening their glutes. Truthfully, they're not getting any length through, through the glutes or the back of their pelvis. And so we have to rob the length from somewhere else. We have to steal it from the spine or from the knees, anywhere else that will bend and give us the movement that we want. So keeping our pelvis in neutral is actually ideal, but that feels so foreign to people, especially women, when they want to do a squat. Like I told you, I felt like anytime I was going to go into a squat, I was going to fall over backwards. And that was because the back of my chain, my glutes, my hamstrings, I didn't have any stability there. So for me, it was easy to rob the length. I couldn't open up and back. I was really tight from holding a posture all throughout pregnancy. It was easier for me to be really quad dominant and to arch my back a little bit and stick my butt out further because then I was getting down. I was getting down mm-hmm. into the squat, right? Just not very effectively. And what that does to those low abs is it just mm-hmm. creates a lot of laxity because those low abs, like I said, kind of help to cinch you up like a zipper from your pubic bone and keep that pelvis kind of rooted and neutral so that as your pelvis stays still and your ribs and pelvis are stacked over the top of one another, you move into that squat and ideally your back of your pelvis is going to open while you maintain that neutral posture. So you kind of move as a unit rather than, okay, my my butt's going to stick out. My ribs are going to flare forward. I'm arching my back. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm moving through a million different ranges of motion to make this happen. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally makes sense. When um, a few thoughts that came to my mind is when people stick out their butt like that, it is near impossible to do that and like have engaged the core. It is really like near impossible, right? So if if before you even move down, if you engage the core, Mm -hmm. I have actually a video for those of you who are app users, I think the video is on there under squats and I show my client, um, sticking her butt out and kind of looking up because people always do that. They like get that cervical extension. And so she's doing that. And then I say, engage the core. And as soon as she really tightens her corset, if you will, her chin comes down, her chin comes down, her pelvis just automatically gets into this strong neutral position. So yeah. if you are able to poke out your butt like that, it's a sure sign that you're really not creating like that course that we need to through this movement. Right. Another thing too, if you think of that pressure, like you mentioned, Lindsay, that's kind of what runs through my brain is these women talking about, 
um, uh, like I, I don't have the strength in my core anymore. I have, I'm struggling with DR. It's like all these issues. And then I, and then I watch them as they poke their butt out and then they descend. And I'm like, where's the pressure going? The pressure has to go somewhere. And it is going like, I swear straight, like straight down. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's killing them. So just more food for thought people who are anti-optimization. It's usually men who have never grown a freaking human being in their stomach and they have no idea about all the changes and they have no idea about what happens afterwards that we're now dealing with and trying to recover from. I'm not anti-men. I'm just, I find it almost comical because I'm like, where are the women? And, and this is another thing I have a problem with is that women are, um, in research, we, well, most fitness research isn't, uh, that's going viral on Instagram, if you will, isn't on this topic first off. No, no. Yeah. And women are underrepresented in fitness research to begin with. So seldom are there people who are pairing, you know, healing post-pregnancy with fitness. Right. So I, I'm really hoping that, um, you know, as over the next 10 years, we'll see a huge movement and we can see more about that. Like posture may not matter to the guy over there who, but it actually may, he, he may have the same exact issues, right? but they're just not exasperated by a pregnancy. By pregnancy. Exactly. Yeah. I see that all the time. I mean, I drive my husband crazy half (laughs) at the gym. (laughs) I'm like, Hey, actually like you, you've got a little bit of the same stuff going on. And and again, that's just based on our lifestyle and the way that we're living these days, like constantly seated, constantly doing, yeah. Or just a lack of exercise. Right. But Women Mm -hmm. are so underrepresented. Moms are so underrepresented. And I love to say, if you are looking for just a hardcore athlete, look at a mom who has had to recover for months and months and months. My recovery from my last baby, I could say I'm still in recovery, right? Postpartum is something you have to consider forever. And it, it is a sacrifice on the body for sure. But how much better do I get to know my body? How much more ideal are my workouts now than they were before? Because, because I've had to really hone in and understand, okay, if I want to optimize my glutes, I need more core. If I need, you know, like Mm -hmm. just being able to set different intention. So I hope too, that, that moms, especially, gosh, we're, we're just, we're kind of incredible. (laughs) We need more representation for sure in the fitness world because my clients want to be athletic and they identify with that. And for me, I identified with that. It was a huge pillar of who I was that I felt was completely taken from me. And that's despairing. And Mm -hmm. the frustrating thing is that the answers are there. They're out there. They're just stinking hard to find. And even if you go to see a physical therapist postpartum, physical therapists have a wealth of knowledge that they can give you. But because of insurance regulations or like what your insurance is willing to cover, you know, you will be likely shortchanged with short visits and you'll graduate. Many of my clients have graduated from physical therapy without the real solution because, you know, these physical therapists are forced to see a lot of clients really quick, move people through the system. Um, So yeah, we definitely need more representation, need more, more people who are willing to 
to look at this as a true recovery. If you have an Olympian athlete that hurts themselves, you know, you go to get rehab for a knee or for an ankle for months and months at a time, Mm -hmm. a C-section, there is no rehab, none. And you've had major abdominal surgery. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. It is a huge, huge oversight, Mm -hmm. (laughs) massive. And, and I think that the women who identify with, with fitness and who want the athletic see that, but don't know where to go. And that, that was, that was kind of where I was stuck, but definitely there are answers out there to be had that change everything. And I can even say from a personal standpoint, make you capable of strength more than you had before you had Mm -hmm. babies. And that is what is so cool. The human body is miraculous for being able to grow a baby inside of your body. It is it's a miracle. It's a miracle that, that female bodies can do that. But the miracle is also that we can recover from that. That's, that is truly miraculous. And I think just like anything else, we've got to give the body time. Like you were saying, time time to recover because a lot of people are like, well, no, 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 no. I don't want to slow down. Just tell me what to do. I'm going to, I'm not going to slow down though, because I have these goals. And because we put so much pressure on ourselves but the key to recovery oftentimes is the slowing down. It really is. Yeah. And if fitness is truly a lifestyle, we should be able to do that. This is lifelong, right? We're constantly practicing our fitness. Then we can understand just like you would coach a client, maybe through like a build or a cut. This is a phase. This is just a phase. This isn't something that you're going to have to live with forever. Ideally, we're living in maintenance and enjoying Mm -hmm. the majority of our life in this place. And, Mm -hmm. And that's how pregnancy should kind of be viewed. This is a phase, but it's going to require some extra work, some special considerations. It's going to, it's going to be hard. And when you get through this phase, you're going to know so much more. You're going to be able to do so much more than you did before. But how willing are we to slow down and to give ourselves that time? That's the real question. How Mm -hmm. much do we love our body and see it for what it needs and not for what we want from it? Yes. Oh, amazing. Kate, Lindsay, we're past like the hour mark, but I could keep talking because I'm like, I still have all these questions. Part two coming soon. Like, Part two. <laughs> I'll Let's have do to it. have you back on in a few more months because I, I, I do. I have so many um, more questions for you. But I just want all of my listeners to go follow Lindsay, support her, and um, learn from her. And those of you who feel like you need special consideration, reach out to her. So many times I have seen this where women are like, no, no, no. I can, I can figure this out by myself. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, this, oh, I'll just give it time. Oh, my doctor says I just need to, but you probably don't. Like if you're, if it's creating an anxiety within you, you're like, don't ignore what your body is trying to tell you. It's trying to tell you it needs extra help and consideration. So I would strongly encourage you guys reach out to Lindsay and utilize her as a tool. Um, you take clients, you take one-on-one clients, Lindsay, right? I do. Yeah, I do. I love, I love working closely with my clients because everybody requires special attention and everybody looks a little different after pregnancy. So it's, okay. it's how I love to train. Awesome. Do you help people who don't live near you? I do. Yeah. I, I have clients all over the U.S. So okay. We, we train virtually mostly. I have an app platform where they 
um, are doing self-guided work as well as meeting one-on-one with me so that I'm watching them through the process Mm, and also offering them unique help where their body needs it. So we've got a community of moms that it's so helpful to know that you're not in it alone, that you can Mm -hmm. see other people further down in the journey and be like, okay, it is possible. It is because we have to open ourselves up to that belief. So yeah, I, I like to come at my training from a very immersive place where it's like, dive in head first, figure this out. And then you don't have to do it again and again and again and again. Hopefully I am their last postpartum trainer, right? And then they get it. That's the idea. Well, it's like you said, this should just be a phase. Unless you don't get help, then it's the rest of your life. Unless you don't get help. And that's why women all the time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why women all the time say they're like every pregnancy got harder. It's like, well, did it or or did you not recover between pregnancies? Mm. So now your baseline of strength has substantially decreased every single time you've gotten pregnant. Yeah, that's really good. Lindsay, I am so glad. I had you on here. It has been a joy. Thank you. It was so fun to talk to you. Seriously. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to me at liftinglindsay.com. You can also send me a personal DM uh, on Instagram at Lifting Lindsay or check out Lindsay Newman. Lindsay, what's your handle on Instagram? Mom to the core. So the number two. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, guys. You guys have a wonderful week. Bye.